This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. My brand new book, Midwife Pip's Guide to a Positive Birth, is now available. So much more than a book, this is a guide that allows me to hold your hand through your birth preparation journey. With over a decade of experience and knowledge packed in to ensure you really are empowered in the way you deserve to achieve a positive birth, regardless of the twists and turns that crop up. Make sure that you get your hands on Midwife Pip's Guide to a Positive Birth Book now and are empowered to have the birth experience that you deserve. Hi guys, welcome to the Midwife Pit Podcast. This week I am joining you solo to talk about some of my top tips for the first trimester of pregnancy because my goodness, I think it's probably the most challenging of all of the pregnancy trimesters. So we're going to launch into some of my expert tips as a midwife and also my own experience of navigating a pretty rocky first trimester myself with our son Finley, which I hope will be really helpful and supportive to you on your journey through the initial 12 weeks of pregnancy. But before I do, let me just remind you, especially if you're new here, that you can use an exclusive discount of mine, Podcast 15, to get 15% off all my online courses at midwifepip.com. And if you are new to my podcast, then welcome. This is the place where we have really great discussions, some expert chats, some real life experiences, and it's your supportive, informative place for information about pregnancy, birth, and beyond. So through this episode, I want to start off with that big question that we all feel, you pee on that stick. It tells you you're pregnant and what do you do next? Announcing a pregnancy is such a challenging and unique experience for everybody. There's one half of you that wants to shout it from the rooftops and let everyone know what incredible, this incredible journey that your body's on. Then there's this part of you that's also kind of terrified because we know that during that first trimester of pregnancy is when you are most likely to suffer a pregnancy loss or a miscarriage. So we're in this kind of really limbo place. So I often say to women, firstly, do whatever you want to do, do whatever feels right to you. But if you are concerned about pregnancy loss, then don't worry about protecting other people. Think about how you can protect yourself. And the reason I say this is because when women do suffer a first trimester loss, actually it's kind of helpful if the people that will be there to support you knew you were pregnant in the first place. Otherwise, it's a bit like two pieces of news at once. I was pregnant. I'm not anymore and I've had a miscarriage and I need your support. Kind of feels feels a bit messier than if they knew where you were at, they could support you through some of the challenging symptoms that we'll talk about. And then they're there to support you should something go wrong. So from a personal perspective, we chose to tell our closest friends and family so that 
A, there was people that we could be like, oh my gosh, this is tough. We weren't expecting this and kind of chat those things through and to share what felt like the most exciting news ever. But also we knew that they were gonna be the people that would be there to support us should something happen. So that's just something to, to kind of think about. But also depending on what work you do, there may be a safety reason why perhaps you need to tell your employer or some of your colleagues, or perhaps you just don't want to have to try and keep it a secret. It's entirely up to you, there is no right or wrong. And actually I think the more we talk about being early pregnant, the more we can start to break the taboo around pregnancy loss, which still feels like it's tightly shut under a lid and is what leads women to feel kind of alone, you know, if if they do suffer a first trimester loss. So there's absolutely no right or wrong way to navigate that decision and that time in your life and your pregnancy journey. And then some of those symptoms of the first trimester, my goodness, I was shocked at how tough the first trimester can be. My goodness. And common things that women will feel are extreme tiredness and fatigue and nausea and or vomiting. And the difference, I suppose, between the the tiredness or fatigue or the nausea and vomiting in the first trimester of pregnancy and anything that you may have experienced before is that it is a really normal side effect of your hormones in the first trimester. Now we have this really important hormone called human chorionic the gonadotrophin releasing hormone um, off the top of my head, which is thankfully shortened to HCG. Now HCG is the hormone that is detected by your pregnancy test. So when you peed on that stick and it told you you were pregnant, that's because that test was looking for that hormone. Now HCG is vital for pregnancy in the first trimester. It essentially maintains the pregnancy, it allows your baby to stay inside and to keep growing inside your uterus. And then as you move into the second trimester, your body has created this incredible organ called the placenta. And the placenta takes over essentially the job of HCG. It's like your baby's life support machine. So then the HCG levels can start to dwindle off a little bit because the placenta is doing that powerful job. And that's why for women often the symptoms are really heightened in the first trimester because that's when that HCG hormone is at its most prominent. Now, some women will have absolutely no symptoms in the first trimester. That doesn't mean there's a problem. Others will have debilitating, really severe symptoms. And it's just how our bodies respond so differently to hormones. And I suppose we see this as women at certain times of the month. You might find that different people are affected by their menstrual cycle differently to others, or perhaps with hormonal contraception, different women will experience different symptoms or side effects. And pregnancy hormones are the same in the way our body just responds differently. So please try not to compare your symptoms to someone else's and then get yourself concerned. So how can we deal with some of these symptoms? Now, if they are really debilitating, if that fatigue, if that nausea is really interfering with your everyday life and you are working, then this is where sometimes letting your employee know may be beneficial if there can be some changes perhaps to the work that you're doing um, or some flexibility to allow you to manage your job a little bit easier and better. This podcast is sponsored by Pregnacare from Vita Biotics. We all know how important it is to support our health when trying for a baby, during pregnancy and in the postpartum. 
Pregnocare vitamin and mineral supplements provide advanced nutritional support for every stage of pregnancy, before, during, and after. They include vitamin D and the exact levels of folic acid as recommended by the UK Department of Health. Pregnocare, expert nutritional care for pregnancy with you every step of the way. To find out more, visit www.pregnacare.com. Now, one of the key things to think about with fatigue and nausea is trying to keep your blood sugar levels as stable as possible. Because often what we see is when your blood sugars start to drop or you start to get more tired, that's often when more symptoms are triggered. And one of the good ways that we can do this is to think about eating little and often. If you're a heartburn sufferer in the first trimester, then eating little and often is also really helpful for managing heartburn, which often women will find in the first and the third trimester is at its highest in terms of a symptom. So eating little and often, and actually I recommend having something like a cracker or a digestive biscuit, something light, by the side of your bed that you start to nibble on before you even lift your head off the pillow in the morning. So that allows your blood sugars to start gently rising before you get up and about. And often women will find that when they first get up in the morning, until they have been able to kind of eat and regulate themselves, that nausea is a little bit higher. So that may help you with that. Likewise, having something just before you go to bed at night, so there hasn't been a really big gap between dinner time and you waking up in the morning will also help. In terms of what you eat in the first trimester, often I speak to women on my first trimester course, which is called Your Pregnancy Journey, um, and, and they're really worried that they aren't eating the nourishing diet that they would have wanted to eat to nourish their baby in this first trimester. And I really encourage you to be kind about yourself when it comes to this. Because what's really important is that you do get some energy, some calories in your body. And it's really common that women will have food aversions in the first trimester, perhaps smells that set you off because you have a heightened sense of smell. So eating whatever you can, even if that is dry toast, that honestly is better than nothing. In the first trimester, your baby has this incredible sac called the yolk sac. And the nutrients in the yolk sac are what are directly supplying your baby. So they're not directly getting the nutrients you are consuming in the first trimester in the same way you might be thinking. Of course, it has some influence. So trying to be mindful when you can, but not beating yourself up about it if, like me, all you can stomach is chicken nuggets and toast for the first 12 weeks. There'll be plenty of opportunities as pregnancy progresses to actually think about how you can best nourish yourself and your baby through pregnancy. So snacking little and often meals, helping to keep your blood sugars stable. So thinking about uh, slow release carbohydrate sources, things like whole grain rices and bread, porridge oats, things that are going to allow you to keep your blood sugar stable and prevent these big spikes and troughs, spikes and troughs that we often see with the consumption of high sugar foods or highly processed foods as well. 
and then thinking about what we're eating. So there is some evidence that using ginger in pregnancy may help with that nausea. So things like ginger biscuits, ginger oat cakes, ginger shots may all help. You can home bake things with ginger in if you prefer to or shop bought. But some people do find that that helps. So have a little explore down the ginger aisle um, and see what you can find. Ginger teas as well or ginger ales, things like that that may just help with some of those symptoms. It's really important that you're able to keep hydrated and often women will find that drinking lots of water isn't possible when they're feeling really nauseous. So you may have to get a bit inventive and that may mean things like sucking ice lollies or flavoring your water with some kind of fruits or lemon or sipping herbal teas, having a little think about how you can get that hydration in that may not be through a typical water form is absolutely fine. But preventing dehydration is really important for your health and your baby's health too. One of the other things that can help with nausea is the use of things like peppermint oil. So you can get some really great roll-on peppermint oils that you can put across pressure points. So things like the inside of your wrist can work really nicely. And some people find that travel sickness bands can also help because they provide a little bit of acupressure around that pressure point on your wrist. So all things to give a go. But recognizing that you need to be kind to yourself, often feeling tired. And we know that because your body is working so hard in that first trimester of pregnancy, in fact, your baby is pretty much fully formed by 10 weeks. They've got all these tiny, tiny vital organs made. And then over the following 30 weeks of pregnancy, they just continue to get larger and grow. So your body is doing really hard, detailed work, which is why you feel so tired. So allowing yourself to take that rest as and when you can and you need without any guilt because your body is quite literally performing a miracle. And often the more tired you are, the more sick you feel. There's definitely a correlation between the two. So allowing yourself that rest, that respite, nourishing your body in whatever way you can is really, really valuable in that first trimester. And of course, gaining that support wherever you may need. Women also tend to find that in the first trimester, they really do suffer with some bloating. And that's really common. Again, it is in response to some of your hormones in that first trimester of pregnancy. And women will often be worried that actually their baby's massive already because they feel like they've got this bump immediately that's actually bloating. So don't be worried about that at all. In the first trimester of pregnancy, your baby is so small and even your uterus is still tucked in your pelvis. So that bloating that you get across your abdomen isn't your baby, that is bloating um, as a result of hormones. And again, just being kind to yourself, thinking about can you take your pregnancy supplements? So we know that folic acid and vitamin D are really important in the first trimester of pregnancy. So thinking about how you can take those when you feel at your best, especially if you are struggling with vomiting, so that you can make sure you're getting those in. For some women, that will be first thing in the morning. For others, that may be last thing at night. Pregnancy nausea and sickness can last all day and sometimes even all night. So don't be fooled into the term morning sickness, thinking that it'll be gone by lunchtime and you'll be skipping around um, because they, that may not be the case. Now, if you are finding that you are vomiting regularly, multiple times a day, <laughs> this week's episode is sponsored by a brand I love, eye candy. 
From its roots in London's fashion design and manufacturing scene, iCandy has uniquely been owned and directed in the UK by the same family for almost 90 years. Now proudly in its fourth generation, the Appels and their extended eye candy family remain completely focused on the best of British craftsmanship, designing and engineering innovative quality products. Eye candy's talented British-based in-house team consistently push the boundaries of both product design and sustainability, creating a wide range of stylish, functional, and quality pushchairs, highchairs, and accessories. Everything has been thoughtfully crafted to fit seamlessly into every parent's lifestyle. From the iconic eye candy peach, which offers double functionality on a single footprint, to the eye candy my chair, an innovative multifunctional high chair that transforms into a beautifully crafted piece of furniture for your child. Eye candy future proofs the life cycle of every product so that it grows with each family. So no matter where your family is at right now, eye candy has got you covered. Check out their website, eyecandyworld.com or head to eyecandyworlduk on Instagram to find out more. And you are struggling to keep any food or fluids down, then it's really important that you speak to your GP so that they can think about any medication that may benefit you because dehydration is dangerous for mums and babies. So we want to make sure that you are able to survive and thrive during this period. So please speak to them if you are concerned that you are vomiting really regularly and you are struggling to keep fluid and any foods down. For most women, that will start to lessen. And as you move into the second trimester, you start to feel better. And I really empathize with women that do struggle with these symptoms in the first trimester because I really struggled with sickness with our son and it was all day, every day. It was the middle of the night. It was constant. I was working long hours as a labor ward sister during COVID with masks on, um, day shifts, night shifts, 13 hours, not having breaks. It was really, really tough and intense. Um, I still now, I don't know how I did it. I have no idea. It was really rough. So I have the utmost empathy for you if you are struggling with this time now. And actually it was the reason that I built my Your Pregnancy Journey course, which is my course designed for women to join in their first or second trimester. And it's essentially as soon as you find out you're pregnant, if possible, because I recognize how little support and information there was at a time where your anxiety levels are often at their highest. You feel you're most vulnerable. Your body is changing. Something has quite literally taken over your body and it's giving you all of these challenging, difficult, strange um, um, kind of feelings and symptoms. So I designed the course so that you had somewhere to go, so that you had an expert that you could talk to, which is me on the course and a community of other women on the same journey as you, as well as loads of information about exactly what's happening to your body, all of the range of symptoms you may expect and how best to try and cope and manage with them. So that's why that exists. And if you sound like actually you want that level of support in your pregnancy, then just check out your pregnancy journey on my website, midwifepip.com. And it would be a pleasure to support you. 
Now, just thinking about some of the other symptoms that you may experience in the first trimester. So we mentioned that heightened sense of smell, which can be a challenge. And for lots of women, actually, it's one of the first signs that they're pregnant. They smell things that no one else seems to be smelling. And you think, hmm, hang on a minute. Um, and that can really link into some of the cravings or aversions to food that you may then experience and nausea, nausea or vomiting symptoms too. So if you are finding that smells are really triggering nausea or vomiting, I'm just taking a mini pause to highlight when you should be concerned about sickness in pregnancy. Unlike morning sickness, hyperemesis gravidarum is a severe complication of pregnancy and not a normal part of it. Nausea and vomiting is more severe, persistent, and may last longer in pregnancy than morning sickness. Recognizing and treating hyperemesis is important and women suffering from it really need support. For more information on hyperemesis, check out actorclub.co.uk. It may be you may have to do what I did in my house and no one was allowed to cook for a little while because the smell of food was so triggering for me. Um, so there was lots of cold foods in our house and lots of my husband eating before he even got home. But knowing again that these are probably temporary, you know, or can in this in this summer period, can someone cook outside instead or can you sit outside while cooking's happening inside? Because often women will find the smell of food actually more triggering than the taste of it. Um, so that's something just to bear in mind. And then we've got breast changes. So often women will find that their breasts get larger, maybe feel a bit tingly or really sensitive in the first trimester of pregnancy. And that may last throughout pregnancy or it may start to dwindle. Again, it's the response of hormones. And actually in the second trimester by around 16 weeks, your body starts producing colostrum, that first milk. So your breasts are really preparing for that in the first trimester. And while lots of women will notice a change in breast size, some women won't. In the same way, some women feel sick and some don't. Some get stretch marks and some don't. It's just our unique makeup allowing us to respond differently to different hormones and hormone levels during pregnancy. And then the last one I want to just talk to you about, I could talk about first trimester all day long, but the last one I want to touch on is mood changes. When you are in that first trimester of pregnancy and you're feeling all of these feelings, all of these emotions, all of these symptoms, you're perhaps feeling a little bit more anxious because of that uncertainty, because perhaps you haven't told people and you're trying to hide things. That's really normal to start to notice some changes to your mood. And lots of women will find until they have that 12-week scan that there is a little bit of lingering anxiety. But that shouldn't be an anxiety that gets in the way of you doing normal everyday things. It should feel quite manageable. But if you think that actually pregnancy has triggered a level of anxiety or some depression symptoms that doesn't feel manageable, then it is really important to reach out to your GP. Prenatal anxiety and prenatal depression is a real thing. Our brains are really sensitive to hormonal changes. And as we know, a pregnancy is a roller coaster of hormonal changes, which can be difficult for managing your mood, especially if you are someone who has underlying mental health conditions prior to conceiving. 
So that was a little bit of a whistle-stop tour into some of my top tips for managing the first trimester. But as I said, if you want expert on hand support and guidance through your first and second trimesters, as well as a community of mums on the same path as you, then head to midwifepip.com and check out your pregnancy journey. Before you head off, I just need to tell you something. 68% of you who listen to my podcast have not hit the subscribe button. So can you do me a favor? If you have ever enjoyed listening and hit subscribe now, it makes a huge difference and helps me to keep bringing you episodes. The bigger the podcast, the bigger the guests and the more women we can reach and help. Thank you for subscribing and I look forward to chatting again soon.